Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. Unsanitized, a virus more dangerous than COVID-19. Last January, nearly 20,000 teachers tuned into a webinar organised by the Department of Education and the HSC. The aim of the session was to convince teachers that we had nothing to worry about in the return to school buildings, uh, despite over 8,000 cases of COVID-19 every day knocking around. In the introduction to the webinar, we heard the following from Ronan Glynn. First was, and I, I know many of you will be tired of hearing us say this, but the experience to date does, does align with the fact that schools in themselves are a safe environment. And it was followed by Drs Abigail Collins and Kevin Kelleher explaining why all of the data pointed to the fact that indeed schools are safe environments. Oh, and just in case you mightn't remember, at that time, the vaccine for COVID-19 had only just been released and wasn't going to be available to most of the population for at least six months. Now, fast forward to this school year, 2021 to 22, with thousands of cases of COVID-19 around the country, primary schools are awash with the virus. Now, Ronan Glynn says he never said that schools were safe environments, as you clearly heard. So it's becoming very, very hard to believe anything that people say anymore. Which is more than a pity, as we'll see in this special episode, where I argue we may have another virus and is potentially just as dangerous. Hello, hello, you are welcome to this special episode of Unsanitize, our COVID-19 podcast series um, on If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking as always. Uh, For those of you that are new to the podcast, uh, normally, in normal times, uh, this podcast focuses on an issue in uh, the primary education system and I say and I argue what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. Um, if uh, you are interested after listening to this episode, you might feel the need or if you might might want to uh, subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to um, all of the episodes uh, of which there are now probably close enough to 100. Uh, it'll give a, a fair insight into the workings of a primary school um, and the primary school system and maybe give, uh, I suppose, a look behind the scenes, uh, behind the school desk. Anyway, the phrase going viral, I think is a well-chosen one. I imagine a lot of young people, uh, particularly young people these days, I sound like an old man here, but young people these days dream of a day when, I don't know, the rendition of someone like you by Adele in their bedroom uh, gets seen and gets shared everywhere and then they become famous uh, as a result. I don't know, I think Billie Eilish became discovered through YouTube maybe. I'm I'm very out of touch but um, I I believe that's the case. Or maybe they might label a video they've taken of when they put their action man in the microwave and said, you won't believe what happens when I put this in the microwave. I believe that's... uh, clickbait if uh, I'm getting the, uh, the terminology right and then they wait for those likes and shares and views to come rolling in uh, as they monetize these kind of videos or whatever it might be. You know going viral as I said it's a well 
chosen one. And, and the reason for that is, uh, let me bring you back into my own uh, sort of childhood or maybe my teenage years when I was exploring my own atheism and I was reading The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins, uh, the well-known, um, I suppose, he's a well-known author and well-known, <laughs> so the best-known atheist in the world. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of things, I suppose, from that book uh, that still stick with me. Um, and, I mean, the first one, I guess, which, which has nothing to do with this episode, was he had this seven-point spectrum of, which he called the seven-point spectrum of theistic theistic, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word, theistic probability, which went from atheism, like pure, uh, total atheism to devout believer, devout atheism to devout believer, where on one end of the spectrum, point one, was where you would be absolutely convinced that there is an existence of a God and nothing, nothing whatsoever would sway you away from that view. And that was point one on the scale. And that went all the way down to the very opposite end of the scale at number seven, which has been absolutely convinced of the non-existence of a God and nothing at all whatsoever could sway that view, which was, as I said, point number seven. And I suppose over two decades or three decades nearly at this stage, I, I kind of remain a staunch six. Um, and uh, I don't think I'm probably going to move away from that. However, more relevant to this episode was where he coined the term meme. And many of you will have heard of the term meme uh, uh, in the 21st century. Um, and it, I suppose it doesn't exactly mean what it means today, but quite close to it. And maybe the term meme on the internet, it was chosen wisely. Because when Dawkins was defining a meme, it was based on genetics, which he's a famous gen geneticist, I suppose. Is that the, the right word for someone who studies genetics? And it was about the idea, uh, you know, really about the idea of the survival of the fittest, you know, the, that, that concept, uh, the Darwinian survival of the fittest. Uh, so, for example, in genetics, the reason why uh, the, the survival of the fittest works, let's say, in, in genes. So if we look at, I don't know, randomly, if we look at a giraffe, for example, why does a giraffe have a very long neck? Well, the, the likelihood, and I suppose the si possible, uh, based on the science, uh, the idea of the survival of the fittest, is that uh, uh, giraffes that had longer necks were more able to survive in the world uh, because they were able to reach their food source of, uh, of high in trees wherever they were. So the longer the giraffe, uh, the longer neck a giraffe, a giraffe has, the, the more uh, able it was to survive in the world. And thus, over time and through evolution, giraffes evolved to have longer necks genetically. So the, the shorter neck giraffes uh, didn't uh, survive, let's say, so this is why it survived. And there's plenty of human examples uh, as well of the survival of the fittest, shall we say, and in the natural world in it, with the animals and plants and everything else. Um, Dawkins, though, suggested in the human world, there, were, uh, there was something in, uh, that he coined as memes rather than genes, but they had the same kind of idea. A meme, according to him, was based um, on a cultural idea, or, a, uh, or a, I think he called it a cultural idea, uh, which was passed down over time through, ge uh, through, um, through generations over a very, very long time. And in some ways, um, these cultural ideas helped the human race to survive. These ideas, they weren't particularly genetic, biological um, things, uh, such as uh, what, you know, however our teeth develop, 
you, for example, you know, you lose, you have one set of teeth when you're born and they fall out and the next set come in and they're your permanent teeth uh, for, you know, as, as something that helps humans survive. These are more ideas uh, that help uh, humans survive. And he argued that religion, in effect, is a meme. It's a cultural idea um, that, that humans invented to help with their survival. And it helped people to explain life and thus the ideas, you know, that the, the, about this spread over time to become truths, uh, you know, such as the existence of a god and various religions that came, you know, independently up. I mean, humans didn't necessarily, we don't, we don't live in a globalised world, let's say, where people spoke to each other, but individually different cultures and different places around the world, you know, perhaps invented this idea of all these different uh, uh, gods and religions and so on. And and you can see how that may have evolved. If you believe that, obviously I'm making no judgment on you if you... Um, if you believe a, a particular faith, but uh, I mean, from my own point of view, just from from, uh, I, I think it's uh, interesting to see how you know religions evolved over time. So, for example, the worship uh, worship of the sun, uh, for example, maybe in early uh, Neolithic. Um, I suppose tribes uh, because of the, the lack of understanding perhaps of what the sun possibly was, um, and that that carried on. I suppose from the worship of gods appearing in nature. Um, not only the sun, but the rain, clouds, and and so on, uh, to kind of messianic figures that uh, kind of came around around Jesus Christ and so on, and the the rest of the characters, even up to modern day saints, and some might argue uh, in the twenty first century, uh, perhaps sports stars or uh, heroes, superheroes or whatever they might be. Uh, maybe I'm going a bit too too far with this, but certainly um, the idea would be. Uh, that this was a meme. And I guess today's understanding of the word meme isn't really that different. Um, and just to define what a meme is in the 21st century, it seems to be an image or a video or something else that's copied and spread rapidly and often with some variations. So that you, you'll all have your favourite memes out there. Um, I'm trying to think of one myself. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but usually they're quite funny. Uh, and they're the ones that kind of spread the furthest. The funnier some meme is, the further it will spread. And actually you'll find yourself uh, probably sharing them on WhatsApp all the time. In fact, in our staff WhatsApp group, often uh, various memes are shared, um, you know, TikTok videos or whatever they might be. So this is the idea of a meme. And I, obviously I'll come back to it. Um, I, I'm recording this, um, I suppose, a, a, a couple of days after the government announced the primary school children aged nine and above uh, will be required to wear masks in schools. Um, so before I go on, you know, I, I, I was aware this was coming down the road. I, did, I didn't expect that, the, that this would be a requirement. Um, everybody, I think everybody was caught in the hop with this. Uh, so, um, you know, a lot of what I'm, uh, what I'm about to do is, is sort of slightly unscripted. Um, I have some ideas and so on. So, but, um, you know, forgive the next couple of minutes where I, I guess I give my reaction. To this, uh, to this a couple of days later, um, because uh, as I said, I have a few random thoughts on it really, uh, which I suppose I've been pondering on uh, over the last, you know, over the last day or so, uh, and I'm not really sure how some of my sentences are going to end, but let's let's give it a go. I'm kind of trying to, I'm also trying to relate it to the idea of a meme because I think this is my theory really throughout throughout this episode. I'll come back to the idea of a meme going viral. So this news, as I said, was released at around five thirty 
in the evening. So well after, I mean, at least an hour after um, most principals would have shut off. Uh, most, I mean, as far as I know, anyway, my work, my work day, I, I would say is eight o'clock in the morning till 4.30 in the evening. I tend to try and stick to that because I like, I think it's important that I spend time with my family and so on and so forth. And a lot of principals are trying to get a work-life balance, despite the fact that we're being asked to work 24 hours a day at the moment. Um, and, you know, the thing is, I, I, as, as much as I try to switch off, um, I'm in WhatsApp groups like many people are, and one of them's made up of some principals, and that's where I heard the news. And within a couple of minutes, I saw that it was trending on Twitter, and by the time, you know, by a few days later, there are so many opinions out on it now, and they're all slightly different. It's gone viral, let's say, because to me, this was a very confusing note. It wasn't on a headed paper, um, or it wasn't on a headed email. It, we don't know where it came from. You know, it, it, there's no. It, 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 it basically wasn't from anybody. It just, you know. So this is another problem. Um, you couldn't reply to it. It, it didn't state. Uh, it said that it was guidance, but then it's, it was using words like required. Um, all sorts of confusing things, and the reaction really has been really interesting. For example, some principals are gassed at the time of the of the announcement. Some are aghast at the idea of putting masks on children at all. Some are aghast at the idea of being expected to police it. Some are delighted with the news. And then there's me. <laughs> and I always seem to find a way to bring religion um, into, into any discussion I'm having. I probably already started that uh, in my introduction. And uh, the subject of religion in schools into every argument, which of course isn't going to go viral. But I'll get back to that because I have written about it uh, a little later when I was preparing this uh, podcast uh, in the last week or so. Personally, I, I'm kind of a bit dumbfounded. and I'm, I'm not quite sure that this process, thought process, makes much sense, but I'm going to do my, my best here. For the last number of months, I've been saying that the government's gaslighting of schools has created a potentially bigger problem than the virus itself. Now, I'm, I'm not quite sure that I fully understand the word gaslighting, but I think it's a polite way of saying lying without actually saying lying. But I believe it's more than just that. You know, for example, I, I, I played you there that clip of Ronan Glynn saying that schools are safe. I mean, there's no doubt. There's nothing there. I didn't edit that in any way, shape or form. He said that schools are safe and then basically pretended that he never said it was at all. Now, it only took me nine minutes when after I, I heard when Ronan Glynn said that, I, I said, well, I'm going to find evidence of him saying it. And uh, it took me nine and a half minutes to find evidence of him actually saying that schools are safe. I'm not picking on him. A lot of people uh, said schools are safe that are in positions of power. But the thing is, when you pretend that you never said it at all, and he's had a long time to clarify that, you know, that he should, no, sorry, I did say it and I shouldn't have said it and, and so on. He hasn't said a thing about it since. What it does is it feeds a very dangerous meme that public health can't be trusted to tell the truth. Now, I'm not saying they're not telling the truth particularly all the time. They have been phenomenally good. You know, we, we all, you know, particularly at the beginning of this pandemic when nobody knew what was going on. They were the face of absolute need. They were, there was certainty, there was leadership, and we believed in them. But in the last 11 months or so, something has come off the rails. And unfortunately, when, when people in public health and the government are saying things 
that are simply not true. I mean, this for is, is the best example I'll, I'll give you. It feeds a meme that's already out there that, pub, that public health can't be trusted. And this is very dangerous because what worries me is that there are certain groups out there that will use these lies and gaslighting to spread potentially even more dangerous, dangerous information that could have a wider impact on people and potentially will increase the risk we have to COVID-19. And I mean, let, let, let me make no bones about it. I'm talking about um, the people who would be, you know, in, in some of these right-wing groups um, who are using an anti-vaccination stance. Um, and this strange concoction between the two, ha- you know, really is very interesting. I have spoken about it. I mean, in my script, I've written about it. So I'll get to it a bit later because I don't want to repeat myself. And I, I, I just want to make sure that I stick to what I want to say. I personally as well, I just want to say right now, because sometimes this can be quite polarizing. Um, I don't have any strong feelings on the wearing of masks. Um, but I do understand that people do. And I can understand why they do. And I can also understand that whether I disagree or not with them makes no difference because it's so divisive. It's become a very controversial issue in the same way as, I mean, I'm not going to convince a devout theist, a devout Catholic, a devout Protestant, a devout Jewish person, a devout Muslim of the non-existence of God. I'm not going to be able to do that. Because we're so, because it's very polarized. It's a controversial issue, um, and you know when I talk about school choice being a ridiculous idea, again I'm not going to convince most people because most people out there think that school choice is a good idea, even though it isn't. Um, but you know, you know the way there's that thing: never discuss religion or politics. Another meme. You know, it's an idea that keeps people going. People, that's an accepted truth that you shouldn't discuss religion or politics. But like it or not, you know, masks have become political. As weird as that might sound if you're listening to this in the future, masks became a political thing, very much a political thing. And I imagine if this, you know, if I was recording this 12 months ago, when schools opened for the first time after the first lockdown, and let's say masks were mandated then, like they were in secondary schools, I don't think it would have been a controversial issue. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm not saying it, it wouldn't have been, but I don't think it would have been a, that controversial. And I don't think there would have been that much resistance. Because as well as that, we already know that there's several countries around the world, especially in Europe, where children routinely wear masks. Children as young as four are routinely wearing masks in schools with no issues whatsoever. And the fact of the matter is, masks are now a controversial issue. And it's inexcusable. For me, that the government, uh, that the government have basically released an instruction to schools at 5.30 in the evening to be fully implemented about 15 hours later, knowing that a large number of people will have conniptions about it. And <laughs> conniptions is a great word, but they, that's absolutely the case. And they know this. And this is not something that should be landed on schools this late. And worse, the instructions are extremely unclear. Now, maybe things will have changed, you know, in the next day or two. I mean, my, my understanding is things will, will have changed. You know, apparently the government will be releasing some um, clarifications or FAQs, um, let's say. Um, but um, when the content uses words like required 
and has sentences like, the principal will refuse entry to the school. If something is a guidance, it can't have a legal basis. So refusing a child to come to school is very dangerous territory. And I have no idea how that circle can be squared. And I really think the government are going to have to do something by them very, very quickly because something's going to have to be clarified because I cannot see how schools are going to implement this, even if they can implement it and whether they should be implementing it because it's a controversial issue, not because it's a bad idea, but because it's a controversial issue and it's become a political issue. And that's that's something we have to keep in mind. And how we got to this point where asking children to wear masks in schools becomes a controversial issue fascinates me. And this is where I'm going to bring my idea of this meme, the Dawkins meme. I remember in the early days of the pandemic that Nefet were completely against masks. Remember? Oh, you'll only be playing with them and you won't put them on properly and sure, it'll be more dangerous because we'll be fiddling with them. Do you remember all that? And I remember thinking there was no way that I'd ever wear a mask. I mean, I definitely remember having that conversation going, there's just, there's no way I'm going to wear a mask. And in the supermarket, if you went to the, if you ventured out to the supermarket, and I, I rarely ever did because, um, you know, I stayed within my 2K and, and, and Roz was the one that went, wanted to go out to the supermarket. Um, she was a brave soldier. <laughs> uh, but um, you, you might, you might have found a couple of people wearing them. And to be honest, I think, I think a lot of us would have thought they looked really silly. You know, you know, gosh, what is going on? Oh my goodness. You know, you rolled your eyeballs at them. And when we started hearing about the Czech Republic, I think it was, so maybe wrong in that country, who's, maybe it was Slovakia, I can't remember, but they seem to be having very few cases of COVID-19, just, just, you know, compared to, where, compared to everywhere else. Their secret was wearing masks, uh, a compulsory wearing of masks, according to the media anyway, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and all of a sudden, the stance against masks from Nefa waned. And we all kind of accepted that we were all kind of learning as we were going along. You know, remember, there were murals of Tony Holohan and Urhulin in the, in the Superman outfit going at this point. And maybe it was a good idea, after all, to wear a mask. And all of a sudden, they didn't look that stupid. So the idea shifted. I mean, I, you know, they, they, they looked stupid for a while. Then all of a sudden, you know, when it when it looked like it was saving us a little bit, they didn't look that stupid. Even the ones with the word Howie on them. Do you remember those? Fast forward another little while and it became compulsory and there was almost unanimous compliance that wearing masks was a really good idea. Also at that time, the majority of people bought the idea that children didn't spread the virus. And even in the throes of a lockdown, the data was showing that the younger one was, the less chance one had of spreading or getting the virus. Thus, on the shopping trips, children didn't wear masks. As European countries went back to school buildings, we saw news reports of, of those same little ones wearing their little masks. And, and do you know what? Do you remember? It seemed really sad. We were all doing our remote learning at the time. And we saw some of the countries going back and these little children. Do you remember the videos of the French playgrounds where children were just standing in these chalked off boxes or circles and they weren't allowed to interact with each other? Do you remember it? It was really, really sad. However, when we did go back to school, we accepted that the second level students would wear the masks for the greater good. And there were no real protests about this and everyone just got on with it. Because again, we were told schools are safe 
and young children don't spread the virus. However, a couple of memes, these cultural ideas as it were, which were growing legs or spikes or whatever viruses have, I don't know. And these other memes that were going on at the time were a gaslighting meme and what I'm going to call a scamdemic meme to give it a, I mean, to give it, give it a word. Um, now, I'm just naming them uh, as these just to give them a label. The gaslighting meme is something I've already used twice in the last minute. Um, uh, when I use the phrases schools are safe and young children don't spread the virus. Because these two statements have been made several times over the last 20 months and mainly by the Minister for Education, members of NEFET and politicians with an affiliation to government parties. And you'll remember some of this since January. Um, when, and you remember when they were trying to reopen school buildings? And back then, um, they were trying to argue that while the buildings were completely safe, schools are safe, it was the million people travelling to and from the buildings that was the bigger risk. Do you remember that? Now, that kind of statement to me was a good example of a Dawkins meme on gaslighting, okay? This gaslighting meme. Even though it was clearly a made-up lie and it had absolutely no basis, there was no way that had any basis, all of a sudden it was being repeated as fact by people who should know better. Even our union started using it. And I'm fairly certain that most representative bodies quoted it as fact. It was, it was absolutely astonishing. And to me, I would point that I wouldn't say it's the first bit of gaslighting that schools got, but it was certainly the first outward kind of, we're going to make stuff up as fact and, you know, with no, no, no basis. And when that happens, that's, that becomes very, very dangerous. So let's couple it with a few other memes that were going on around the time to, to increase this meme about schools are safe. The gaslighting meme, schools are safe, children don't spread the virus that was going on at the time. And that was the one from the special needs advocacy groups who began an absolute horrible campaign against teachers leading to threats of schools uh, being sued by parents um, to infamous speeches about being on the side of children with additional needs all the while while these very people were doing, uh, you know, were, were, were sitting, at, uh, were, ha were at home or in, or in convention centres rather than in the door, like that everything was fine. Um, and, but the very people that were doing all the shouting and bawling, you know, were sitting in, the, sitting in their houses and all of their therapy services they were supposed to be offering to children, these children that cause absolutely no risk to anyone, they cancelled them all. And yet, despite the fact they weren't going to risk themselves giving therapies to children, they were scathing of the fact that school buildings weren't open to children with additional needs. Now, this other meme of the idea that teachers are basically stopping children with additional needs of getting an education caused another stream into this gaslighting, which one could argue now, I would think now, you know, we're in the middle, of, as I'm recording this, of a, a huge wave of cases of... Um, of um, uh, of COVID-19 and, uh, and basically schools are rampant with COVID-19 uh, right now all across the country. And, you know, I could, you could argue the reason why, why uh, the reason, you know, why there's no talk from teachers about going to remote learning again is because of that vicious campaign. I'm not saying schools should be closed or maybe I'm afraid to say schools should be closed, but there is a huge amount of COVID-19 um, around schools at the moment. And, um, it seems like it's been completely ignored. Um, and I, I'm, I'm curious, let's say, about that. Um, 
Another um, element of this gaslighting meme was how outbreaks of the virus in schools are being were, are being reported by public health and most and, and and where possible are being designated as community transmissions even when they clearly aren't. Now this continues on even to this day and the gaslighting does nothing else but divide people and alienate them from each other. So, you know, most famously I think um was the first one anyway, it was the Claire Morris situation where there was clearly a breakout in school and the board of that school took the decision to close the school because it was, um, well, the situation was ridiculous. 25% of the, uh, of the school uh, had COVID-19, but the public health refused to say that this was a school outbreak and um, and they and the school was forced to, to reopen. And what it does is it undermines what this thing does is it undermines and gaslights. And this, these cultural ideas, these memes, make people question public health who are making these decisions. And the common thread uh, for me of this meme and COVID-19 in Ireland since schools reopened in March seemed not to be about how to make education a better place. I mean, after all, uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's controversial to say this. COVID-19 has shone a light on all of the problems of, uh, uh, that, that the education system has had for years, way, way before COVID-19. Whether that was the chronic teacher shortage, which has been around for quite some time, the lack of substitute panels, which has been around again for a long time, the eradication of supports for children with additional needs, and the role of religion in schools even, and the damage that causes, and so on and so on. No, you see, instead of that, the narrative or the meme became obsessed with keeping school buildings open, no matter what. And when cases started to rise in, in the October of the midterm break, uh, when schools opened, most likely because children do, in fact, spread the virus, astonishing things started to happen to me. No, they didn't happen to me. Sorry, to me, they were astonishing. <laughs> uh, just, just in case you're uh, wondering that uh, my, my, my body transformed into a butterfly. No, it didn't. Um, what happened was schools with absolute definite outbreaks of the virus were told the outbreaks didn't happen in schools, even when the school was able to map the spread clearly. And I've given the example of Claire Morris. We can also give the example of Wexford Town more recently. The gaslighting continued and their boards were forced to reopen their schools after their boards made decisions on health and safety grounds. Now, at every single turn and at every challenge to the schools are safe narrative, this gaslighting meme took the form of doing whatever it could do to ensure that children would never, ever, ever again be subjected to remote learning. And I would imagine that the vast majority of parents bought into that meme. I And, and I can absolutely see why. I, I've absolutely no doubt why people would want to believe this phenomenon, that schools are absolutely safe. I'd also, I mean, I'm a dad myself, I would also hate to return to remote learning. And in some ways, I gladly buy into the meme that schools are safe, only that it's fairly obvious that it simply isn't true. However, the gaslighting alone wouldn't really be enough to cause a situation where asking young children to wear masks has become such a controversial issue. And I've even heard, you know, some people referring to asking children to wear masks as abuse. I mean, this is how controversial this has become. But I don't think this gaslighting can be blamed entirely um, 
for why that's become a controversial issue. It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. You can't correlate them completely. The gaslighting around uh, schools are safe needed another variable um, to add into the mix of this. You know, so it was almost like we had this virus of this gaslighting coming along, but we needed another virus to attach itself to that. So another another idea. So another spike to this, a mutation, shall we say, of this virus to add to the mix. And in my opinion, the secret ingredient actually happened with the vaccination rollout. So bear with me here. Um, bear with me here. Vaccinations have long been controversial topics um, in some very small quarters. Like let's, let's talk about vaccines for a bit. For example, there's a sizable number of people who strongly believe um, that autism is, cure, is, is cured, is caused by MMR vaccines, okay? And there's a growing number of people who have chosen not to get their children vaccinated for a whole variety of things, not just MMR, but loads of different vaccines. And the growth of this kind of what it's known as the anti-vax stance has a medium. And that medium is generally the internet and social media in particular. And I'll just come back to that in a little bit. So, I mean, I, I don't want to go on about the history of vaccinations. I don't think people um, need me to do that. Um, but that's one of the more famous, let's say, examples. And when the COVID-19 vaccine was released in December 2020, it led to discussions about who should receive the vaccine first. And people were queuing up to, what, to, to state their case why they should be first to receive the vaccination. Um, so in Ireland, you know, unsurprisingly, maybe I should say, we made a total balls of it. Initially, people working in schools were to be prioritised. Okay? Initially, you know, we're, you know we, we were on the list, let's say. I think we were fourth in the list or something like that. I mean, maybe we weren't fourth in the list. I can't remember. We were in the list anyway. Um, and, and which made sense in some ways because, you know, obviously of the desperation to keep school buildings open at all costs. However, the vaccine rollout became difficult to manage with the various cohorts um, getting priority. And then we had a number of situations that arose where people that shouldn't have had priority for the vaccine got the vaccine. So two famous examples were the, the poor accountants in the HSE who never who were working from home. Uh, they, they were prioritised because they worked for the HSE. Or, um, or the staff of the school. I don't know if you remember this private school um, where the head of the Beacon Hospitals kids went, somehow got prioritised for the vaccine um, and was apologised for. But you see, the thing is, and there were probably other cases that didn't make it to the media. And ultimately what happened was, and this, this is my point really, I'm not... Um, you know, my, my point really is not for any specific scientific reason now um, that rules changed. So the vaccines were actually rolled out not through the need or anything like that, but by age. And that wasn't a scientific reason. This was a convenience reason because it was easier to go down by ages. And I, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that particularly. It just, the, the reason wasn't because it was a scientific decision it was because it was easier to roll it out it was too confusing having the you know a, a two-tier kind of system of vaccination where certain cohorts would get uh, you know certain jobs would get prioritized over other jobs uh, because you had that, those sort of problems if that makes sense so the rules basically changed so um, essentially teachers were no longer prioritized and this coincided with the INTO's congress actually it happened on the week of the congress just before the congress and um, obviously, teachers were disgusted um, 
by the fact they were just simply told, no, science, science says you don't get prioritised anymore. And it was the only thing kind of keeping, in a way at that time, there was kind of an unsaid deal that schools would reopen and teachers would be prioritised for the vaccine. You know, in a way that was sort of said, it was, I don't think it was even unsaid. It was said that teachers would be prioritised and SNAs and school workers would be prioritised for the vaccine because we were working directly with, um, with, in small rooms with lots and lots of people, i.e. children. Um, and the thing is, pressure came onto the, to the union and John Boyle, as always, uh, and not for the first time, as I said, stood very angrily at his platform at the Congress, threatening that if the decision wasn't reversed, that teachers would be striking. And the minister responded because she was at this, simply referred, I'm sorry, guys, well, she didn't say it like that because she'd never say the word guys. Um, but the minister said, you know, I'm sorry, the science says, science says that we that this is the best way of doing it. I know you're disappointed, but science. And even though, again, what was that? The gaslighting again. Gaslighting. And the ITO, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I looked into this, they had absolutely no intention of striking. They couldn't. Anyway, there was no way they could strike because they accepted because they forced through, or maybe, oh, that's not fair. They, they, they mm, campaigned vigorously uh, for their, their, their teachers, for their members to accept a pay deal, which, uh, part of which stopped any industrial action in relation to COVID-19 policy. Um, it, was a, it was a PSSS2 deal. Part of that uh, the measure was that you, we were not allowed to strike over anything to do with COVID-19 policy. So therefore, even if we had wanted to strike, we couldn't have struck, striked. Um, struck. <laughs> um, anyway, because children, of course, don't spread the virus, there was no need for teachers to be vaccinated anyway. And because everyone in society wanted to be prioritised for the vaccine, taking 50,000 teachers off the priority list meant that they, that the rest of the population would be closer to a shot of protection from COVID-19 more quickly. And look, I don't know, all the ingredients were there for an outbreak of a different kind of virus. A meme. Another meme. I'm going to leave it at this point uh, for the moment and pause because we're coming up to 40 minutes and um, I do have quite a bit more to say on this topic. Um, in the next half of this episode, I'll be talking about this new meme, uh, which I believe uh, mixed in with the gaslighting is about to create or has already created a virus that is potentially more dangerous than COVID-19. And it's not quite a virus, more of a meme. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this so far. As I said at the start, if you have enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast by on any of the apps that you use. We're on Spotify, on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the rest of the podcasting platforms. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, as I said, uh, you can uh, review the podcast um, and that would be very much appreciated. It helps other Irish teachers and other parents to find the podcast. So that's it for now. Um, I'll be back uh, later in the week um, with the rest of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. All the best now. Bye bye. <laughs>